Good morning, Return Church. Jesus loves you, and I do too. And if you don't remember anything else about me today, my testimony is that I've been born again. That's my testimony. That's going to be the legacy that I leave. The legacy that I want to leave, amen, wherever I've been given influence and an opportunity to impact uh, my sphere of influence, as they say, I want people to remember that it was all about Jesus because life is worthless. And the trifling, well, I forgot where I'm at. I'm sorry. Let me talk correctly. But I'm telling you, this world is nothing if you don't know Jesus. This is a hard world to live in without Jesus. I don't know how people make it. They try the drugs and that ain't even enough. You got, you got a piece on the side and that ain't helping you. But I want you to know there is nothing that can ever match the love and compassion of Jesus Christ because he brings a joy that this world can't give and the world can't take away. And I'm here to celebrate with you today. And if the truth was told, I feel like dancing. I really do. That worship... Return church, don't y'all, don't y'all ever, ever get too common with this anointed worship team that y'all have here. This was powerful. I felt my spirit elevating to another level. Amen. And they had about one more lyric. Said, let, let that girl sing that thing about going through that valley one more time. One more time, because some of y'all just singing, but some of us have been in the valley. with death hovering around us. Glory to God. The enemy waiting on you to give up. The, you know, just waiting on you to throw in the towel. But the shepherd. Ah, when I couldn't do the fighting, his rod, his staff. Hallelujah. Listen, thank God. I'm not going to, they almost changed my message. I said, yeah. <laughs> but let me just greet you in the name of the Lord. I am your friend, your brother. Honey, we're getting ready to Amen. Experience a season in the body of Christ where I believe the love of God is dominating everything. I mean, the love of God is what's bridging these gaps that we've set among ourselves, denominational gap, racial gaps, all of these things that the enemy is trying to use to separate specifically the body of Christ. Now, I mean, you know, the world is full of confusion. They, they one person today, another one tomorrow, but the church has to know who they are. The church has to know, if there's any hope for the world, the church of Jesus Christ has to know who we are. And we can't be ashamed of who we are. And I'm not saying go around touting about, you know, but I'm, I got to get you to understand that your testimony is a testament of his power, his glory. So if your gospel is hid, if your testimony is hid, it's hid from those who are lost. It's hid from those who don't know that you can be free, don't know that you can be delivered. You have a testimony that has to be told. You have a story that has to be shared. And today I'm here to encourage you, body of Christ, don't be ashamed of your testimony. Don't be ashamed of where God brought you from. Go back and throw out the lifeline and let a dying world know that if God did it for me, Hallelujah. See, that, that, that's why I don't allow myself to drift into this place of just mundane, you know, ritualistic worship. I command my mind to remember where God found me. I command my spirit to respond when I hear lyrics talking about open the eyes of my heart. And I think back to a time when I was blind, walking in darkness, and God, not, not, not religion, God. <laughs> not, 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 not the preacher, God. God opened my eyes. He heard my cry, and here I am today by the grace of God, and I am thrilled to be in the family of God. And I want you to know, I, and this is just my preliminary words, because when I get to preaching, I can't, I can't, I can't put it on pause. <laughs> so I, I, I'm getting this out of the way now, because I really want to just express how important it is.
that the relationship of the body of Christ be strengthened. We need each other. We need each other. And I don't ever want to get to a point to where I forget that God didn't just save me to be a pew member. He didn't just save me to boast about, you know, things that I used to do. I don't do no more. I got mine. You get yours. Yeah. No, I am saved to serve. I am saved to go back and tell somebody else that there is hope. And so I really want to emphasize that we need the love of God expressed. And I'm so excited about the ministry things that I heard just this morning. I want you to know, uh, Return Church, Pastor uh, Chad and Sister Rachel are two of the dearest people that I can call friends on this earth. And I want you to know that what they're doing here is what they were doing when we first met. They're just doing what I've always known. We were at their homes having church. Big old grand piano up in there. <laughs> Was that a, a baby grand up in there? And we were having church, reaching the lost, ministering to, he's a builder. He's a, and to come and see these wonderful expressions still consistently going on, man, I am inspired. And I celebrate you today. I appreciate the friendship and the opportunity. And all of you, I love you in Jesus' name. Can I call your attention now to the word of God? I want to take us to the Gospel of St. Luke, the 22nd chapter. And as the Spirit of the Lord will give us to share, this is a message that I felt impressed of the Holy Spirit to revisit. Something that the Lord dealt with me personally about several years ago, about not allowing my relationship with him to grow stale and cold. Because there are days where we are on fire. It's easy sometimes when you're in the fellowship of other believers and you can feel the presence and the joy, but the enemy is really strategic in his attacks because he wants to wait until we don't always have that support system. And it's important that you and I have something authentic and organic between us and God. It needs to be something deeper than what I get, oh my, from people. Mm. Let me stop and let that marinate for a moment. My relationship with God cannot be predicated on people. And I say that only to say that there will come a time when the people that we've depended on to be our source of joy in life will have to leave. And Jesus continued to try to prepare his disciples who were getting emotionally attached to him. And he says, this relationship is going to have to go deeper than that because I'm going to have to leave you one day. My, my. I know you're enjoying watching me work the work of him that sent me, but I hope you're taking notes because you're next. Because I'm going away to my father's and the works you see me doing, you're going to do and even greater works. So I've got to make sure that this relationship that we're building is not carnal. It's not fleshly. It's not based on feel good. But it is a relationship that is woven into a spiritual conviction, uh, uh, being persuaded in your heart and in your mind, whether I live or die, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I need to have a relationship that allows me to love you through the good and the bad. I need something that's Deeper than have to, and I don't mean no harm, I'm just saying. Uh, we need our gatherings. We need the house of worship. We need this. But you come here to get what you need to go out there. That's the reality. The reality is you are living in a world where every day won't be sunshine. 
You're living in a world where every day won't feel like it feels in here this morning. And your relationship with Jesus Christ has to be predicated and uh, built upon what he has promised and what he has said. And so today I want you to get an idea of what Jesus' relationship with his disciples can teach you and me about a relationship we need to have with him. My relationship with Jesus Christ will determine what tomorrow's trials look like. My relationship with Jesus Christ will determine how I maneuver the loss of a loved one. My relationship with Jesus Christ will determine what uh, a failed marriage, a divorce, uh, uh, a loss of a job, and all of these things that this world can bring. My relationship with Jesus Christ will determine what that looks like. And if you have a relationship that's built on faith, love, what did he say? Now abided faith. Hope, love, but the greatest of these three is love. And your love for God will be tested. And today I want you to see in scripture one verse how Jesus' relationship with his disciples provides a template for you and I what we should be modeling, how we should be building this relationship. Now, this is new for me. I'm not styling and profiling. I actually need glasses now. <laughs> it wasn't that way when I was here two years ago. But I can't even fake it no more. I used to try to, you know, fake it, but I can't. I, I, I need help. <laughs> and it's okay. But Luke and I chose to look at this particular passage because Luke is an interesting writer because he writes with a very intense purpose to speak to the non-Jews, people who seem like they didn't qualify. I don't know if you've ever been around folks like that that make you feel like you just don't qualify. You know, you're almost saved, but you got to do this. <laughs> I mean, you're almost in, but you got to change that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you, I mean, you might make it, but, you know, <laughs> you, you got to come. And Luke is very intentional about capturing words of Jesus that were inclusive. Things that redefine how this religious community was trying to shape their culture. And Luke begins to capture stories like the Good Samaritan, and you know, he likes things that, you know, like the prodigals. He likes telling stuff that shows that God is no respect of person, but in every nation, he that feareth God and do right, God is with him. God will hear them. And can I tell you today that God desires an intimate relationship with you? Can I tell you that God is not just out for what he can get, but God says, I want to be your exceeding and great reward. I want your reward not to be stuff, but I want to be your exceeding and great reward. Hallelujah. Somebody say amen. Woo, that's what we've got to learn. Some folk are getting it twisted. You're getting it twisted. It's like, you know, following God don't mean you're going to win the lottery. Following God don't mean you're going to hit them numbers just right. You got it twisted. God says, no, 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 no. I am your exceeding and great reward. Woo. Good God Almighty. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Hallelujah. Yes, sir. I'm your reward. And if you're after anything but God, you're running the wrong race, baby. You're in it for the wrong reason. Because he's the prize. And listen at Jesus as he is nearing his time of 
being betrayed and being crucified. He has spent uh, intimate time with men who were considered outcasts by their society. These men that Jesus found were men that nobody had real expectations for. Yet and still when Jesus found them, he said, hey, you, come follow me. I can do something with that bad attitude you got. Come follow me. I can do something with that mouth of yours that you got. Jesus saw the potential in these men and said, you may be a radical, you know, uh, out of control and some other names that, you know, society labels you, but I can see that I can use you. Follow me and I'm going to make you a fisher man. You've been slanging and running and, uh, and doing all that in the street, but come follow me and I'm going to show you why you've always had a passion for selling. I'm going to show you why you always had a passion for hope. Well, I don't know what y'all call it up here. I don't know what y'all call it up here. But I'm going to show you why you've been skirt chasing. It's because I really created you to be a fisher of men. And the enemy has tried to distort God's purpose for our lives because he tries to dominate listen Satan tries to dominate our time time away from God causes you to become something else time away from his presence causes you to become someone else but when you walk with him the old hymn that I love says I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses hallelujah and the voice that I hear I come to the door and alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling. I'm just trying to see if y'all remember it. Hear the sun. See, thank you. Oh, somebody. Uh, listen, thank you for that. I needed that help. See, God says, I'm calling you into a more intimate relationship because I can't show you what I want to show you until you've come closer. I need to draw you away from the distractions of this world so that when you see me like Moses, Moses says, show me your glory. He says, I can't, I can't, can't let you see me and live, Moses. But Moses says, you know, but God, I, I, I need to know who you are. And see, when you have that kind of hunger, when you have that kind of fight in you that say, God, I didn't get everything I need this week, but I'm coming back. I didn't, I'm still struggling, but I won't let go. When Moses kept pulling on God, God said, all right, all right, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to cover you with my hand. And I'm going to pass by, take my hand off and let you see my hinder parts. I'm going to let you see the afterglow. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to let you see, because you can't handle the full weight of my glory, so I'm just going to let you see the afterglow. And when God passed by, listen, this was just in the afterglow. When Moses sees the hinder parts of God, look at what happens. He sees in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He sees, hallelujah, God forming man from the dust of the ground. He sees, he, re, he sees a revelation uh, from this encounter with God. Why am I sharing this? I'm sharing this, people of God, because when we are in that intimate place to want to see him, where it's not about how I feel, it's not about whether, you know, you make a, a change in my situation. If nothing changed, I just need to see you. If I keep having to deal with this, I just want you. And when you have that kind of hunger, when you have that kind of thirst, for God, that heart for God like the deer that pants for water. When you go after God God says I can disclose I can reveal something to you. Somebody shout amen. Here in the 15th chapter, I mean in the 22nd chapter and this 15th verse we see where Jesus is having a intimate moment with his disciples and verse, hallelujah 15 simply says, and he being Jesus said unto them, his disciples, with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you 
before I suffer. With desire. With passion. With the great heart of passion and desire. I've longed to eat this particular Passover with you before I suffer. The thought that I preached from with this text is communing with the Savior. Communing with the Savior and the objective of that particular message is that we reflect on God's desire. I know what you desire, but reflect on God's desire to have intimate fellowship with you and that you in turn will have a greater desire to have communion with him. What does that mean? That means what we have in this church has to be created in our homes. What we have in this church has to be created in our communities. Communing with the Savior. When we think about this, many people, praise God, consider the Bible to be one enormous love story. When you think about God in creation creating this man that he formed from the dust of the ground that breathed into him the breath of life that man became a living soul. When we follow this story, when we follow this narrative, God created man in his image, in his likeness so that he could have relationship with him. He wanted man to be on earth what he is in heaven. Yeah. God created you to have dominion. He created us to have power. He created us to advance what was in heaven here on earth. But God did this in a very unique way by giving man a soul. Soul denotes that you, sir, you, ma'am, get to choose whether or not you will make God first, second, third, or non-existent in your life. A soul gives you the opportunity to choose. When we see a body, the body gives us a world consciousness through our five senses. What we see, hear, smell, taste, and touch is how we interact with this world around us. God breathing his spirit into man gave man an awareness that there's a God. People may try to deny him, but something on the inside of you tells you when you're wrong. Something on the inside of you tells you that there's a God somewhere. You can try to deny him, but there's a spirit, there's a part of God in you that lets you know that I didn't create myself. I didn't get here, but we'll fight that reality. We'll come up with our own explanations. But God also allowed man to become, become a living soul. A living soul means that over time, it, it denotes over a period of time, this man developed his own personal will, his own personal identity. And God allowed this. Uh, quit trying to run people who have chosen their identity. That's their choice. Amen. Testing, testing. Did the mic go out? <laughs> testing. Quit trying to run everybody else and you be who God called you to be. Because God doesn't even take that kind of authority. He gives people the chance to choose. He said, I'll put life and death before you. Now you choose. You choose. And God let these people choose. And because God let man choose, man's choice was influenced by man's experiences. Let me say that again. Man's choice was influenced by his experiences. So much of what we're choosing has to do with what we have experienced. That some of us who are still choosing things that are destructive for us based on what happened in the past. Things we experienced in the past that are still influencing us. And what God does, he reminds you that you can choose again. If you don't like the choices that you're making, Jesus came as the second Adam to let you know you don't have to be that first one. You can choose now to, oh God, hallelujah. And if any man be in Christ, good God Almighty, yes sir, hallelujah. I, 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 I'm glad I had a choice because I didn't like the path I was going down. I don't know about you. I, I had a choice. And, and in the seventh grade, I made that choice. I made that choice to give Jesus my heart. And, and it wasn't a perfect walk. It wasn't every day wasn't sunshine. I didn't stop cussing right away, you know. 
I didn't stop fighting right away. But the longer I walked with Jesus, the more I began to look like him. The more I began to sound like him. Uh, I know sometimes we are struggling, amen, to be who God called us to be. But what you've got to understand is your job is to surrender. That's what your real job is, is to surrender. And he that hath begun a good work in you, he will perform it. I said he will perform. You said, man, I'm trying, man, I'm trying to get rid of it. I've been smoking and drinking. I'm trying, dog. I'm trying. Well, doc, look, man, you've been trying to lose weight like me for the longest. Your try ain't good enough. You need help. <laughs> look at your neighbor and say, you need help. <laughs> and I'm here to tell you, Jesus is your help. <laughs> And Jesus, his relationship with these disciples, and I need to rush on through this because his relationships with his disciples give us a template of what our relationship should look like. Jesus, here's the first thing I want you to look at. And there's three key points I want to make, and then I'm going to bring this to a close. Jesus teaches his disciples that if you're going to get the most out of your relationship with God, three things has to happen. Three things have to happen. Jesus tells his disciples, I have longed to have this time with you. Think about this. This is Jesus in a time where he knows he's getting ready to die. And his focus, his passion, his concern is his disciples. His concern is making sure that before I leave here, you are convinced about my love for you. You are convinced that what we've experienced and lived out was not just some temporary, you know, uh, you know, experience. But what I have brought to you has eternal impact. What I have given you will have eternal repercussions. And so Jesus is taking a moment with his disciples. They're a little naive because he's been telling them, yo, I'm leaving you. Things are getting ready to happen, just like some of our family members been trying to get you ready. They said, I'm going home to be with Jesus soon. Y'all got to quit coming borrowing money from me. You got to learn how to, you got to learn how to do it yourself. I ain't going to be here to get you out all the time. And they trying to get you ready because they know that charity is coming. And Jesus is trying to get his disciples to focus on, yeah, you're focusing on a moment when I'm trying to get you to see eternity. I'm trying to get you to see that I'm preparing you for more than this one moment. You are going to be my witnesses in the earth. You're going to be my mouthpiece, my eyes, my hands in the earth. And I've longed to have this moment with you so that I can disclose some things to you. You've seen me cast out devils. You've seen me lay hands on the sick and they recover. You saw me open the blinded eyes. But now it's time for you to see me suffer. It's time for you to see me wounded. It's time for you to see me bruised because you need to know that my love for you doesn't change just because we're no longer on the mountaintop. My love and willingness to sacrifice for you doesn't change just because I'm so. Matter of fact, I'm suffering for you. I'm going through this for you. And as gee, hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Hiya. When I think about Jesus' love and affection, it draws me into a place of wanting to get more intimate. I hear the Apostle Paul saying that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Here, my God, Jesus tells his disciples, listen, this is the feast of Passover and before, y'all been going through this stuff ritualistically just because somebody else did it and it was a tradition passed on. He said, but I'm about to give you a new revelation because when you eat this bread from now on, I don't want you to think about Moses and the children of Israel down in Egypt. He said, because now this is my body, my God. 
He said, from now on, when you drink of this cup, the cup is my blood. And Jesus is trying to tell them this is an intimate moment for you to get a fresh revelation of who I am. And Jesus gives us three things that has to happen in order for us to maximize our relationship with him. Number one, we have to learn to make God our priority. Mm. God in scripture gave his children feast days. They would have to every, you know, uh, every year they would have to stop doing whatever they were doing and travel to Jerusalem to honor and, and, and celebrate these feasts. And God set these things in place so that no matter what, like, man, my business just about to take off. I don't care. Close it and come meet me at the temple. God is teaching them, I've got to be a priority. So many times God will interrupt your norms so that he can remind you that without me, okay, somebody else read it too. Without me, you can do nothing. So the first thing God is teaching them in this time of communion, if you're going to have real depth to your relationship with me, I have to be a priority. It can't always be a sacrifice to come to church, but you have to be like David. I was glad when they said unto me. <laughs> It can't always be about, I'm going to church because I need something. <laughs> I want something. Well, I mean, you can get what you need here. I'd rather you come here than the drug dealer. So, I mean, I, I guess, you know, that's all right. But the reality is you need to come for him. Not for the stuff. Because when you get him, you better help me preach back there. When you get him, you got everything else. So, the first thing I want to encourage us, assess, assess. Is God the priority in my daily routine? I mean, when I wake up in the morning, is God having to compete with my social media? When I wake up in the morning, does God have to compete with my busy schedule to get all the children ready? Does God have to compete with me getting my, you know, work agenda together and all that is God the priority that's the first assessment God and this ain't for you to judge nobody else this is a self-assessment Lord are you the are you the priority in my life the second thing God creates these moments these intimate moments like these festivals and these feasts not only so that he could be the priority because when you think about the priority you know you think about Abraham Abraham, bring me your son Isaac, your only son Isaac. What? You just gave it to me. I just got this promotion. What you mean quit? <laughs> what you mean? I just got here. I, this just happened. God says, I need to see what you're working with. Show me what you're working with. Uh, I need you to leave and go to Indiana. What? <laughs> Indiana? What's in Indiana? <laughs> Glory to God. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I, Lord, I didn't got two at home. I'm sorry. I am sorry. Let me get back in order. Let me get myself together. Please don't let my father see this. Wherever the stream is going, please don't let him see this. Anyway, amen. But you've got to assess, assess, assess. How do I assess if God is the priority? What are you holding on and unwilling to give to God? Who are you holding on and unwilling to give up for God? You have to assess, Lord, where are the areas that you've been challenging me? Where are the areas that I've been struggling, surrendering to you? Because the area of, uh, of surrender is the area where he, he, he's Lord. But areas where you won't surrender, he's not Lord. He's not the priority. And either he's Lord of all. The second assessment, not only is he the priority, but here's the other thing. My time with God, is it memorable? Is it memorable? Hallelujah. Is it memorable? Why is that significant? Jesus is teaching his disciples in this passage of scripture, when you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, do it in remembrance of me. In other words, Jesus is teaching them 
These things need to have significance. Don't do it out of religion. Don't do it out of ritual. Don't do it out. Do it from a deep, heartfelt And what makes things memorable is when you do it with significance. See, I, I, I get concerned for myself because doing church is easy. It's something that I know how to do by myself. I, I was having church before I got saved, <laughs> playing in the backyard of my pawpaw's house. That was some of our favorite pastime. Who's going to be the preacher this week? I am, you know, you know. And that's what me and my cousins did. We played church. We had fun playing church. And some folks still playing. But anyway, pray God. But anyway, but, but what helped this thing to have meaning for me is when it took on significance. And what gave it significance for me was a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. So when you're talking about memorable moments, is he involved? Is he really involved? Because gifts, callings are without repentance. But it's not by might. It's not by power. It's by my spirit, saith the Lord. And I need to assess, Lord, are you in what I'm doing? Because it has no real meaning and it won't provide memorable moments. Why are memorable moments significant? Because Jesus is getting ready to leave. And he's giving himself, his disciples something they can reflect on. That will give them strength and courage for the days ahead. It has to be memorable. Don't waste time with your family. Make it memorable. Make time with family memorable. When's the last time you prayed with an unsaved family member? Let Create, carve out something in their memory banks that will say when you're gone that I could always count on Aunt Sally to pray for me. I could always count on him to have a word of encouragement. Make memorable moments because those things will become the lifeline for many people in days to come remembering how my father hallelujah as a child when me and my brother slept in one little bed brother Chad hallelujah and most of the time he had most of the bed and I'm just trying to get through the night <laughs> but there was many nights that as a child in the middle of the night I would wake up hearing whispers in my room and it was my father anointing me and my brother saying, God, watch over them, cover them, bless them, use them for your glory. And I have that ingrained in my memory so that when Satan comes and tries to tell me that I don't matter, when Satan tries to come and tell me that I don't have anything to live for, when Satan comes, I've had memorable moments that say, Satan, you're a liar. Hallelujah. You are a liar. Somebody shout amen. God has to be the priority. Let's assess. Is God the priority? Let's assess. Are we creating memorable moments? Are we just doing the same old, same old? Are we doing things out of religious practices? Or are we doing it with heart and with significance? Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Spirit telling me just to encourage somebody Encourage somebody. I don't know who that is, but I sense that, praise God, that you need to obey the Holy Spirit that's been telling you to spend more time with that loved one. Hallelujah. You've been encouraged, amen, or prompted, rather, to call him, visit him, and all that, say, eh, I'm going to make time, I'm going to make time. But the Holy Spirit is telling me to tell somebody, quit putting it off, praise God, because that's going to be a memorable moment for you. Hallelujah. You need to go create that moment. Go spend time with them. Love them. Listen to them. Let them pour into you. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me go to this last point as I close. Ay, ay, ay. Somebody say communion with the Savior. When you talk about communing, communing is a, you know, to commune is the verb tense that defines, it's defined as sharing one's intimate thoughts or feelings with someone when you're communing with God, there are things he wants to reveal, things that he wants to share if you have the time. If you have time to be with him, if you have time, amen? Here's the last portion of this. 
Not only are we assessing the priority God takes in our, play, our life, assessing whether or not these are memorable, significant moments, but meaningful moments performed with conviction and purpose. God wants these things to have deeper meaning. When I think about deeper meaning, I think about what does it mean that God rescued me from a life of sin? What does it mean that God kept you from ODing? What does it mean that God kept you from committing suicide? Because what that means to you should be expressed during our time of worship. You ascribe to him what he's worth to you. Not by just, I'm not just talking about yourself, but your surrender. Your surrender. Lord, if you had not rescued me from the fowler snare, I would have died. I would have lost my mind. And when you enter his presence with a memory, it turns into meaningful praise. When you come in with a memory and all of these things together, God being the priority, God having memorable moments with you, memorable moments with you, God having meaningful moments with you, it turns into having a revelation like John because John was the only disciple brave enough to show up at the foot of the cross when Jesus was crucified. And as he's there, because John had made his relationship with Christ a priority, because John had memorable moments with him, because John had meaning in his life, he had a meaningful encounter with Jesus that transformed his life. When Jesus was lifted up on that cross, John saw something the crowds didn't see. He saw Jesus break the bread and said, it's my body. And John says, I get it now. He saw the blood streaming down and hallelujah. And John remembered that Jesus said, this cup of the New Testament is my blood. He's getting a revelation now. And now that Jesus has come to a point where what he's been warning his disciples would happen. Where this thing is now manifesting, Jesus is lifted up in front of a community that has come from miles around to see this preacher, to see this healer, this man who had so much fame. Everybody thought he was the Messiah, but now he's being crucified. And people said, we have to see for ourselves. And when Jesus is hanging there on the cross, Jesus himself began that breath not to scorn his haters not to say man you wait till I come up out that grave in three days no he uses his breath to create a meaningful moment and says mom you're standing by a good friend right there I want you to look after my boy and John I want you to look after my mom he's using his breath for meaningful moments and I want you to know today, God is giving you a chance to create something that will be worth gold to you in the future. He's giving you the opportunity to create moments that have significance, moments that will infuse your heart with faith and conviction, heart of, of steel that says, if God kept me through that, he can keep me through this. You have to allow God to carry you through this moment. And how do I allow this? Commune with him. Spend time with him. Be honest with him. Communing is being uh, transparent, being intimate with him. And be intimate and say, Lord, I'm scared about losing my loved one. I, that keeps coming up in my spirit. That keeps coming up in my spirit. But I want you to know that God wants you to be encouraged that communing with him, hallelujah, will give you the strength you need for whatever you face. Can I just tell you real quick that when you create a life of worship, that that will become your first response in the face of tragedy, trauma, 
When you cultivate a life, that's why it has to be more than a feeling. It has to be more than zeal. It has to be a personal conviction of the heart. Lord, I believe everything you said is true. When they lifted Jesus up on that cross before people who had been healed by him. When they lifted up Jesus on that cross before people who had received blessings, those who had seen the miracles, they also received a revelation from that memorable moment and said, behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. We want a deeper revelation. We want more intimacy with the Father. It comes from greater communing with Him. Communing, disrobing, being honest, being transparent. I'm going to share this and then I want to pray. Several years ago, you know, when I moved back home to Texas from school, I had went through some things with my father that had really crushed my spirit. He and I had a broken relationship. And when I left Texas, I declared, I will never come home again. I don't want to see you anymore. I'm done. And he's standing flat foot saying, you ain't coming back here either until you come correct. <laughs> I said, well, farewell. And I went my own way. And it was probably over a year before me and my father spoke. And I had a dream one night, and the Lord showed it to me very clearly. He showed me my father's passing. And then he showed it me. He says, you're going to regret these days of non-communication, holding grudges. And the Holy Spirit is going to tell you, you're going you're to miss this one day. Find a way to get over it. Find a way to say I'm sorry. And my pride, come on. Well, let me talk about me. My pride made it really hard for me to admit that I wanted a relationship with my father. But one day I called home to check on mom and when I was talking to her, she was tired of being the mediator. <laughs> she said, look, I'm tired. Here, talk to your daddy. And she gave him the phone and he didn't know who it was. And he gets on the phone, hey, praise the Lord. <laughs> I said, hey man, what's going on? And his voice dropped and he says, oh, hey. First time we've talked in like a year. He said, how's school going? I said, it's going okay. I said, how's church going? He said, oh man, church is going good. It ain't never been this good. I said, I ain't never, God bless it like ever. Don't know that my mama done already told me, child, all the college children leaving. We ain't got no musician. I said, the church just died. <laughs> he don't know she done already told me. <laughs> but while I was on there, the Holy Spirit gave me the strength to say, yo, man, you know what? I'm really sorry for how our relationship has gone. I'm sorry for how things have played out. And that was freeing enough, but what brought healing for me is when I heard him say, I'm sorry too, and I want you back home. I need you in the ministry. And what happened is, God restored the years that were taken from us. And one day of fellowshipping and laughing and talking paid for over a year of non-communication. Why do I share that? I'm sharing because, number one, some of us need more meaningful, memorable moments with the Lord. But not only that, I, I can't deny the Holy Ghost. We need those moments with one another. And today I sense that ministry is going to come out of you being able to confront these things that you've been afraid of. It's time to commune. It's time to be intimate. Would you stand with me? It's time to be real. It's time to be honest. And I want you to know today that as God restored me and my father, 
I, <laughs> I think about it. He just turned 80 last year. He's turning 81 this year. And me and my pop, when we talk, there's so much depth to our conversation now because we know each other in a more intimate way. We know each other in a way we didn't know each other before this, you know, being open and honest. I know who my father is now. So I don't take offense to certain things. When you are intimate with the father, you're going to learn that he didn't mean it for evil. You're going to stop being angry at him about it and understand that he meant it for your good. And today I feel restoration in the house. As you commune with the Father today, I feel God restoring years that you lost in being hurt, being angry. Matter of fact, I hear the psalmist say in Psalms 124, the snare is broken and we are escaped. Today God said the snare is broken. You don't have to be a slave to whatever has held you back from the relationship with God and with others. Today, I understand now that my assignment is reconciliation. And if that's you today, God says, I'm ready to restore. I'm ready to mend. I'm ready to give you meaningful moments. If you'll come to the altar, let God begin to lay his hands on those areas in your life. Let him restore you. Let him breathe into you. And I need to speak especially to men. Men God needs for you to be who he created you to be. He didn't create you to be a statistic. He didn't create you to be, you know, what this world is trying to turn us into. But you are created in the image and likeness of your father God. And you are the head and not the tail. You are not what your bank account says you are. You are not the car that you drive, the house that you live in, but you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And as you spend more time in his presence, hearing who you are, letting God reveal to you who he is so that you can see who you are, you're going to lay aside these weights, get rid of these things that are holding you back. Women of God, I want you to know there's healing in the garment of Jesus. Reach today. Reach today for your homes, for your children, for your future, whatever it is. Commune with him. Hallelujah. Commune with him. Be intimate with him and allow him to reveal himself to you while you're on this altar. Hallelujah. I want some workers around these people too because I feel the power of God getting ready to work in here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to know God loves you. And he wants to commune with you. He wants to manifest his power and presence in your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. At the music, please. And as we minister today, I want you to get ready for restoration. I want you to get ready for restoration. With desire, Jesus said, I've desired. I long to spend time with you, but your anger has kept us apart. I long to spend time with you, but your disappointments, me not doing what you wanted me to do for you, has kept us apart. But today God is saying, I still desire to have communion with you. And if you come unto me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. Tonight God says, no more struggle. Rest. Rest. In the name of Jesus, Father, as we speak your word of life over these who have come, we thank you that the glorious presence of the Lord is making whole You're today. You're more real than In the name of Jesus. The ground I'm standing on. 